so glad that you guys chose to be here today, and uh, we're going to be jumping right back into our series of God's Gardens um, from last week. Um, and so if you wasn't here last week and you don't really know what's going on, um, the youth group and I are taking principles from different gardens in, God's Bi- in, in the Bible, and we are going to be um, taking some principles from those garden moments and moments that are encounters that happen in the Bible in those gardens. Um, and being able to apply those to our everyday life. And so last week we talked about um, the word cultivate, and, um, and we went through that whole entire word, and we came up with a lot of different ways that we can um, begin to cultivate not only our own relationship with Jesus, um, but help others um, and cultivate the ground in others as well so that we can bring those people in and, uh, and help them have a relationship with Christ. Um, so that was a really awesome moment last week. I know a lot of you guys um, uh, seem to like the whole acrostic thing, um, so uh, I'm pandering, and I'm going to do that again, um, and we'll uh, look at another acrostic this week. Um, this week, we're going to be right back in Genesis chapter 2, so if you guys have Bibles, or you have a Bible app, or whatever that looks like, and you want to go to Genesis chapter 2, we'll be in verses 15 through 23 today. Um, the, um, the version I'm going to be reading out of is the New Living Translation. Um, and those are verses 15 through 23. 15 through 23. Um, and I'll go ahead and read those. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit... You are sure to die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. Everyone say alone. Very good. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them um, to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall asleep, into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, This is bone from my bone, And flesh from my flesh, she will be called woman because she was taken from man. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, thank you for uh, this awesome moment in your word, God. This story um, in the very beginning of our Bibles that tells us about the Garden of Eden and about Adam and Eve. And God, we thank you that your word is um, so teachable and that every time we read it, we can pick something new from the reading that can apply to our lives or that might apply to our life in that very moment. So we just thank you, God, that it's tangible and that we're able to apply it because that's most important in our lives. God, we just ask that you would help us to understand what you want us to know today. Allow your Holy Spirit to enter in, to open our hearts, open our minds, and keep us open-minded to something that might be said today that might impact someone's heart or impact someone's life. God, make us open to that moment. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this week's principle will be uh, we should not be alone. Um, God says in verse 18, he said, It is not good for man to be alone. Everybody say alone again. Alone. Very good. It is not good for man to be alone. And uh, man, is that true. <laughs> so I have an acrostic and we'll be going with the word alone. And uh, there's an A at the very beginning. So our A, if you're taking notes, will be the word assemble. Assemble. And um, the Bible tells us that we should not fail to assemble together. And if you're someone who feels alone and you are actively in that moment that you're feeling alone, then what I encourage you to do is assemble with other people, other believers, other people who are like you. And uh, for this first point, I have my student leader, Isabella, here, who's going to come and share um, what she's prepared um, for this part of the sermon. So welcome her as she comes, will you? Hello everyone, and I am back this week. If you don't know, my name is Isabella, and I have been invited once again to share with you why we should not do life alone. One way to not do life alone is by getting involved in connection groups. Here at the bridge, my mom Elizabeth heads up the connection groups, and I remember coming up soon there's crime junkies, a foodies group, and I know there's a type of song group going on as well. Being involved in these groups is such an important action because in the Bible, it tells us that we should surround ourselves with other people. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. After reading this, what better way to support each other than by going to connection groups, being involved with people of similar interests? The Bible even tells us not to neglect meeting up with one another and that we should encourage one another. Sorry. <laughs> that we should encourage one another by meeting up and discussing his word and by praising him all together. So if you found yourself doing life alone or you feel like you don't have anyone, I highly recommend getting involved in a connection group because it will definitely change your life. Even in Dusty's verses of Genesis, you can see that God didn't want Adam to do life alone. And at the time, God thought the perfect human being couldn't be alone. So what makes you think us, sinful and imperfect people, can do life alone? Maybe you're nervous or scared because you don't know the host or your best friend isn't going. But trust me, it is so worth it. Not only is it encouraging to you, it's encouraging to the person hosting. I've hosted a connection group before, and nothing is better than seeing someone show up, whether it's one person or ten. Your presence is much appreciated, and you get to learn and have fun at the same time. I hope what I've said today has impacted you in the most positive way possible. I hope you all consider attending a connection group and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Great job. That was excellent. I love her point about God thinking a perfect man that he created uh, shouldn't be alone. And how she said, we as sinful people, um, how much more is that true for us? And that's, that's an amazing point, Isabella. Very good. Um, really appreciate that. 
Um, so, um, so, oh, all right. So, and our second letter is L, and um, the word I chose for this one is laugh. Um, laugh. And I, I don't know if you're like me or if you're who you're like or whatever, but I love to laugh. I really enjoy laughing. I think it's great. I remember one time uh, Corey and I were eating at a, at a dinner and we flipped off of a picnic table. And uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't even going to mention that until just now. It just happened in the moment. And uh, that was a hilarious time. Um, uh, hot dog sauce everywhere. And uh, that, <laughs> but I laughed. I laughed that then, and you can ask Albie. I literally laughed off and on all day about that. Um, it was a beautiful moment, and I'll never forget it. And uh, but I love laughing. I think it's great. Um, I like uh, you know picking on people, and I like uh, you know doing stuff like that. That's that's really special to me. And if you ever wonder why I'm that way, it's because my mother. My mother does this to me. Just yesterday, actually, I was on, geez, I was on the um, phone with her as we were shopping for camp, and um, my mom was talking about how God loves uh, to make beautiful things, and because um, we were talking about different vacation spots and things like that, and she's like, God loves making these beautiful scenescapes and these beautiful things, and she's like, God just loves beauty. He loves making beautiful things. She's like, he just loves it. And I was like, yeah, it's true, Mom. It's, you're right. And I was kind of stressed out because there's so many people at Walmart. I'm trying to focus. And uh, I was like, yep, that's true. That's true. And then my mom says to me, uh, he also has a really good sense of humor, too, because, look, he made you. And, uh, and uh, so uh, that's my mother. <laughs> she uh, basically called me... Uh, uh, funny looking, and uh, but that's okay. That's where I get that from, and uh, I I really cherish that about uh, her, and I cherish that that she passed that down to me. I like to pick on people. I think that's fun, and we ought to laugh. And when we get together um, with people, and we get together with our friends and our families, um, with with uh, whatever, we should laugh and be lighthearted. Um, Proverbs seventeen twenty two says that a cheerful heart is good medicine. It's a good medicine for you, um, but it also says that a broken spirit saps a person's strength. And if you've ever noticed, like in those moments where you kind of feel down and out, you kind of feel sad, it really drains you as a person. Like you don't have energy, you don't want to go do things. And all these years ago, when the Bible was written, they knew the symptoms of depression before they were even labeled as the symptoms of depression. And so... A sad spirit saps your strength. There's a lot of S's in there, by the way. But a sad spirit will sap your strength. And, um, and a cheerful heart is good medicine. So we should not fail to come together and, and laugh um, with uh, your mentor, laugh with your friends, laugh with your family, laugh in the connection groups, as Isabella was talking about. Um, laugh uh, when you read the Bible. I find humor when I'm reading in my Bible. Does anybody else do this? Do you guys try to look for like the little funny little moments in your Bible whenever you're reading? I love to do that. It's one of my favorite things to do, like in this story of Genesis, where um, he's, God notices that Adam is obviously either sad or downcast or something, and he notices that he shouldn't be alone, right? He sees this, and he's like, I'm going to make him a perfect helper. And you, when we think today, like, what a perfect helper, someone that's perfect for a human being, what do you guys think of first? Another human being? 
<laughs> it was funny to me because God said, you know what, I'm going to try animals first. <laughs> like, that, that's funny to me because why, I don't know why God's mind went straight to, I'm going to make uh, a bunch of animals first. It's funny because in recovery, like in, when I, where I work in recovery, um, you hear people talking about um, if you can keep a plant alive for a year, um, then you can uh, go to an animal. And if you can keep the animal alive for a year, then you can move on and have a relationship. So maybe God was onto something here. He was trying to give Adam an animal as a companion first rather than an actual human being. But it was just so funny to me that that was the first thought process that went into it. And that's funny. And then there's another story um, in the Bible where Paul is preaching. I think this is in Acts 10, I believe, or Acts 17 or something like that or 20 or something, I can't remember, it's Acts 20, I think, but he's preaching to a group of people, and they're in this room, they're three stories up, there's a guy, like, in the windowsill listening, and it says that Paul goes on for so long that the dude falls asleep, anybody ever fell asleep? Anybody ever fell, somebody's falling asleep right now, aren't you? Nobody's ever fallen asleep? What? Come on, there it is, there it is, yes, so, um, falling asleep, that's a thing that happens every night, and um, we've all done that. Um, so, um, but this guy, he's going on and on and on. He falls asleep. He falls out the window to his death. It, that's not really that funny. But Paul goes down. He picks him up, revives him, right, through the power of Jesus Christ. And then he doesn't, like, take him to the hospital. He doesn't take him to the medic. He doesn't take him anywhere. He takes him back upstairs, <laughs> and then Paul continues to preach until daybreak. And so that's funny to me. Why would, like, our first response would be get this person some medical attention, get this person somewhere safe, get this person checked out, um, you know, but Paul's like, let's, uh, let's finish the sermon, you know, <laughs> let's do that. That's funny to me. That kind of stuff makes me laugh. There's other things in the Bible that also make me laugh. There's some verses in the Bible that are eh, not so inspiring as you would say, as you read them um, out of context, of course. Um, but there are some Bible verses that are kind of funny. And the youth group and I, we always watch these videos um, from a guy named Cool Carl. And, um, yeah, they like Cool Carl quite a bit. And he's really funny. He makes some really funny stuff. And actually, I have a video um, really quickly that I want to show you guys of some not-so-inspiring Bible verses. So if I could get Albie to play these. That's a good face. I mean, you can laugh at that face, right? Nothing wrong with that. Oh, is it not working? Carl. There it is. Carl. <coughs> Carl. I'm Carl. Now, a lot of people may not know this about me, but every once in a while, I get down in the dumps. And when the occasional Chick-fil-A run doesn't do the trick, I turn to the Bible to get my fix on my heart out of the dumps. Verses like John 3.16 and Philippians 4.13 are perfect for those times of troublesome. But I've come to find out that not every Bible verse can be comforting or inspirational. So I present to you not-so-inspiring Bible verses. My breath is strange to my wife, and I am a stench to the children of my own mother. P.U. Meaningless. Meaningless. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. 
So we boiled my son and ate him. Yeah, that's nice. Darkness is my closest friend. Look, I am about to die. I live in disgrace all day long, and my face is covered with shame. I hate all this. <laughs> Yay. The day of the Lord will be dark and hopeless, without a ray of light or joy. Praise be. And they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. It's probably more aerodynamic. Happy is the one who seizes your little ones and dashes them against the rocks. Wow. While all the people are watching, bake it over fire using dried human dung as fuel, and then eat the bread. Mmm, fiery bread dung, just like my mama used to make. Yum. Liars. They will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Somebody stitch that on, Philip. If two men are fighting, and the wife of one of them comes to rescue her husband from his assailant, and she reaches out and seizes him by the private parts, you shall cut off her hand. Show her no pity. Hands to yourselves, y'all. The Lord shall smite thee in the knees. Hallelujah. How joyful. Well, I feel better already. Thanks for watching the video, fam. And yes. I'd also like to thank this man. Thank you. Very good. Did that scare you to death? I like it. <laughs> very good. That's awesome. There's some very funny things in there. That, that's, that's some things that are taken out of context, obviously, a lot of those. But there's just a lot of really funny moments in there. Um, you know, Joyful is the one that seizes their little ones and dashes them against the rocks. Um, and so that's what we're planning on doing at camp this week. Um, we're going to be, we're, <laughs> we're going to be, shh, don't, don't listen to this part. We're going to be dashing them against rocks and uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be a good time. Um, so, but it's good to laugh. It's good for your heart to laugh when you get with family, when you get with your friends, when you get with people that you, you care about. Allow yourself to laugh. Allow yourself to feel that joy. It is good medicine for your heart. It makes you feel better. It's true. It is true. And psychologists have proven that joy and happiness is something that you can choose. You can choose to be happy. Um, you just have to make that conscious decision in the morning to say, you know what? I don't care what happens today. I'm going to choose happiness. I'm going to choose to laugh. I'm going to choose to be lighthearted. And you can do that. So the second letter is laugh. We should laugh with our friends, laugh with our family. Um, the O stands for obey. Obey. Obeying God's commands for our life is important. Um, he reminds us that we should assemble together, and we absolutely should. We shouldn't be alone. It's not good for us to be all alone all the time. Um, he tells us that laughter is cheerful. Um, give, uh, laughter and a cheerful heart is good medicine for you, and that's true. It makes you feel better. It's, psychology, it's psychologically proven that that's the, the case. Um, and obeying these things um, is very, very important for you um, as a Christian and as a human being. But also obeying God's words and obeying God's commands can be very difficult. 
Sometimes you're obeyed to do something that is not so uh, easy, uh, to share your faith in a moment um, that you've never really shared faith before, or maybe you've never opened up like that to someone before about your beliefs or your religion or, or what that looks like to you, or, 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 or sharing um, your stance on a subject whenever it comes to something that is very topical or political or whatever that might look like. When God calls you to do stuff like that, it can be uncomfortable. Um, and that is something that we have to bear as Christians. Sometimes we have to do what's uncomfortable. And I preached a sermon not that long ago that said, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I just want to congratulate everyone in the room who have actually taken steps towards being uncomfortable, towards uh, making decisions for Jesus and working in the kingdom and doing things that you're not necessarily comfortable with. Like Haley's coming to camp this year, and I'm sure that she's like, oh my gosh, I, uh, I'm just super stoked about it, you know. I mean, she is just really stoked about it. But also, she's going to be really uncomfortable for a little bit because she's, you know, don't really know a lot of us. And so that's going to be an uncomfortable moment, but that's going to help her grow as a person. It's going to help her grow as a Christian. It's just going to help her grow altogether, and we're excited about it. And that's the kind of stuff that we have to do. When we obey and we just do what God asks us to do, we can allow new, wonderful things to come into our hearts and come into our lives. It is important for us to obey when God says to go. And uh, you can do that actively by just saying yes. Saying yes to those things. If someone asks you to help with a ministry, say yes. If someone asks you to serve, um, help bring in donuts or whatever for the ministry team, whatever that looks like, say yes to that. Um, and those are good ways to do that. So O stands for obey. And um, the N stands for nurture. Nurture, and I'm going to bring uh, Reagan Ruckel out, who is going to help me with this part of the sermon. And if you guys will give her a round of applause. Good morning. My name is Reagan, and today I'm going to talk to you about why we should do life as family. In the dictionary, it says, family is a group of one or more parents and their children living together as a unit. If you know me, you know that I have a very loving and caring family. They're always there for me Have you and have helped me become the young lady that I am today. First, I want you guys to think about your family and what they do for you. And now imagine what it would be like without them. Hard, right? I think that that would feel like how it does when you lose a loved one. Myself, I lost my aunt and papa last summer, and I'm not going to lie, it was heartbreaking. I kept asking God, why then, why are you taking them from me? But it was their time to go, and it was all a part of his plan. But the rest of my family was there, and we grieved and coped together. And it made our relationship a lot closer. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14 says, For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. When we do life with family, they teach us and try their best to guide us where the Lord wants us to be. Thank you for listening to my sermon about doing life with family. Great job, great job. I love that. And now I also have another youth group member named Lucas who's going to be coming up and he's going to be sharing why we shouldn't do life without friends. My name is Lucas. 
And I was asked to come up here to talk about why we should do life with friends. Many of you know me as a social butterfly or, or someone who has lots of friends. I'd like to share a story with you. This past year, I had some bullies. They got physical and mentally got me down. It was hard on me, because I, but I have four great friends side, beside me. And it was, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be as happy as I am today. These friends stood up for me in class and stood up to the bully. One of these friends has, has, been beside my, has been by my side since birth. Our parents were friends, now we are best friends. So friendship can run through generations. That's the moral of the story, friendship. We all say that our friends will always be there, but the one person who will always be there is God. God will never fail you. He will always be by your side. Friends are important. Like the Bible says in Elaskis chapter four, nine through 12, two people are better off than one for they can succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying together can keep warm, but how can one person be warm alone? A person who stands alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are, three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. The Bible teaches us in Matthews 18, 20, for, for, for where two or three are gathered, my name, there are among them. And like it says, two stand together, win. I like that. I like this part because it's true, and it, because it is very hard to stand alone. Thank you. Great. Man, so proud of those last two students. Obviously, proud of Isabel as well. But the last two students for me are very special because, guys, these two just now came into our youth group. And for them to step out in faith like that and be able to stand on the stage and speak to a group of adults um, in a room is, I'm telling you, just from uh, as an adult speaking to adults in a room, it's, it's very nerve racking and scary and uh so just kudos to you guys man being able to do that that's amazing such a wonderful job i loved um lucas's point about how friendships can span over generations and that's very true like when you nurture a good friendship that can span to your kids friendship with those your kid your friends kids and i think about like mylon and, and gage who who are friends because Andrea and, and Brittany were friends. And, and I'm sure you could probably think of several friends who are friends because their parents' friends were friends. And it just, it can span across a whole generation of people. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing when you have those things happen. Um, and then also um, with, uh, with, with Reagan's point to, you know, having a family, if you nurture your family relationships and nurture those things, you can be helped through times of need. Um, when things get hard, when things are tough, um, and you have a loving family by your side, man, that makes all the difference in the world. And if you nurture that family, uh, that family relationship, grieving, coping, those types of things become so much easier with family, with friends, with loved ones around you, um, and you nurture those relationships. And it's so important if you were planning on not being alone, and God says that we should not be alone, then I encourage you to nurture your relationships. If you don't have a great, wonderful, loving family, huge family, some people don't, and I understand that. 
but find you a close group of people who you can love and care about and be with um, and nurture those relationships, pour into them, and uh, you will see that in moments of need, they will be your best friends and they will be there for you no matter what. And that's so important. So please, please nurture those relationships. Allow those relationships to, to flourish. That way we're not alone when bad things happen or we're not alone whenever we face enemies or, or whatever that might look like. We're not alone. And last but not least is the E, and that gonna, is going to stand for um, encounter for me, encounter. Um, how many people in this room right now can honestly say that they've encountered Jesus in a real tangible way? Like you've actually felt God impact your life, you've experienced him in that tangible moment, and you know for a fact that was God, that was a Jesus moment. Um, a lot of us have those moments. A lot of us don't yet. And uh, I encourage you to encounter Jesus, and hopefully we can learn to do that together. Um, but I feel like a lot of times, um, as p Christians or as just people in general, when we come to church, we have some expectations. We expect the sermon to be something that week that's going to help us to face the week ahead of us. We expect to hear something, some little tidbit of information that's going to help us get through the week or maybe help us get through a tough time that we've been experiencing from the week before, the month before, whatever. Um, but we have that expectation, and we place all that expectation on the pastor or on the speaker or whoever that might be for the day. And we place the expectation out there like, Pastor, you got to give me something. I'm hanging on by a thread. I got like a little bit of hope left. Give me something to go on here. And uh, we put that expectation out there. Or we feel uh, spiritually drained and we feel spiritually empty. So we come to church and we think, man, this worship set, we put all of our expectations in that worship set. Like it's going to be something, it's going to fill me back up. and I'm going to feel that love of Jesus Christ again. And I'm going to feel the power of God in that moment again. Finally, I'm going to get filled. My tank will be filled. And we place the expectation on the worship pastor or whoever's singing that day. And we say, man, here I am. Fill me up. Fill the tank up. Like going to the gas station or something. And we place those expectations out there. And I'm telling you that encountering Jesus does not begin with your expectations. Encountering Jesus will not begin with your expectations. Because expectations lead to resentment. And that's a powerful statement. So I'm going to say it one more time. Expectations lead to resentment. When you expect something to happen and it doesn't happen, you resent it. When you expect um, your spouse to have dinner ready when you get home and you walk in the door and there's no dinner ready, <laughs> uh-oh, well, now I'm upset because I expected to eat when I got home and now I can't, right? Or if you expect your, uh, your spouse to change your oil in your car or mow the grass or you expect your friend to reach out to you instead of you always reaching out to them. You're placing expectations on people that may not live up to your expectations. Birthdays are the kind of the worst. We're kind of like, uh, we're kind of like trained to think that our birthday is supposed to be this most amazing special day ever, right? Like it's supposed to be awesome. And Albie, Albie, you, her day really is kind of like that because I make sure. But, but like, if you have expectations that says, 
this and this and this and this and this needs to happen on my birthday. I need to get um, this many happy birthday wishes on my Facebook account uh, before I'm happy. Or if it's only like 80, you're like, eh, that's not very good. That's three less than last year. You know, <laughs> like, come on, we do this. You know you're counting them. You're like, hey, man, I got 150 daggone birthday wishes. Or if you're Todd Ruckel, you get 4,080. Uh, you know, like, uh, it's just, uh, you know, that's just how that works. But, you know, we have these expectations, um, you know, on our birthday, that it should be this special thing, this special moment. And if something doesn't just go quite right, we kind of feel like, well, that wasn't that great, you know? And it kind of leaves us down. It kind of leaves us upset, sad. And it's not just on your birthday. That's throughout the entire year. That's at church. That's at, in, your, in your relationship, in your marriage, in your friendships. You put these expectations where they don't need to be. And I promise you the expectation always will lead to resentment. Because people are flawed and people will let you down. And you're not always going to be fulfilled by people. You can't always trust that the pastor is going to give you something that week to get you through the rest of the week. You can't always trust that the worship set is going to be your three favorite songs. You know, you can't always put that expectation on the church, on your family, on your people. What I want to encourage you to do is begin your encounter with Jesus with surrender. Instead of coming in and handing up your expectations, come in and hand over everything that you have. Surrender all those things at the foot of the cross. Surrender your fears, your biases, your, your worries. Surrender your depression. Surrender your anxiety. Surrender those things that have been clinging to your back all week long. Surrender those things to Jesus and lay them at his feet and say, Jesus, only you can fulfill what I need this week. The pastor can't do it. The worship pastor can't do it. Nobody at church who's going to say hi to me or welcome or whatever can't do it. Only you, God, can fill me. Only you can give me what I need for the week. And I'm going to start with my surrender of all the luggage, all the baggage that I have that's on me. I'm going to let that go. And I'm going to begin to focus on you. And I'm going to shift my focus from my worries, from my fears, from all the things that's been going on with me. And I'm going to shift it to a sole focus on Jesus Christ. And in that moment, you will encounter Jesus if you truly let those things go and truly depend upon him instead of a person. Depend upon him instead of a situation. Depend upon him instead of your favorite song. I encourage you to encounter Jesus in a real and tangible way. You can do this in several different ways. There's prayer, there's worship, there's reading your Bible. There's all these different things. In James 4.10 it says that we should humble. It says humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. Humble yourself. Not easy to do in 2022. We're taught that we're amazing, right? We are. We're great. But... Humble yourself. You're not the best thing around. You don't have everything figured out. You may be a study of the Bible for 40 years, but you don't know everything about the Bible. Humble yourself before God, and He will lift you up. If you are feeling downcast, if you're feeling alone, you're feeling like nothing is working, humble yourself before God and allow Him to elevate you and lift you to a new place. He can do that. The Bible says He will, and I believe it. 
Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We need to be confident that God can change our situation. We humble ourselves before Him and we come to Him with confidence knowing that only He can fill us. Only He can remove doubt and fear and shame. Only He can do those things. Meditating on scriptures is very important. Reading through your Bible, picking a scripture, saying it over and over again, using it as a mantra for the day. Just last night or just yesterday, Chris accidentally sent me a verse of the day. And he was telling me that those verses of the day really encourage him and help him stay on track for the day. Because those moments when you get that verse of the day and you read it, it can become something not only that you just read and go, oh, that's good, and put it down, but something that you read and that you stick, you pull it back up at lunch, and you pull it back up on your break, and you pull it back up throughout the day, and you continue to read it, you continue to believe it. And you pray it, and you say, God, it is not good for man to be alone. I need to assemble. Help me, God, to assemble with people who are like-minded. Help me to assemble with people who care about me. Help me find people, God, in this life that I can actually trust with some things that I can speak to. Help me find those people in life, God, because there's not everyone out here that's willing to help me without return or receiving something in return. God, help me find those people in life that I can vent to, that I can talk to, that I can love. It is not good for man to be alone. Repeat it, learn it, and pray it, man, until you believe it. And you can do these same things with positive affirmations to yourself, saying those positive affirmations, lifting yourself up when you're feeling downcast. Pray those verses. Find one. Pray it. Believe it. Speak it. Worshiping alone um, in your car. Anybody ever be like worshiping in your car and then like you look over and see that someone's like kind of staring at you? <laughs> yeah, that happens to me sometimes. I'm like kind of sly about it now, you know, I'm kind of cool about it. Like I'll worship until I stop at the red light and then I'm like, all right, head nod. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just head nod. And then when we, we take back off, then I'll get back going, you know, get back. You know, like getting in the, you know, that's just how I roll, you know, I'm in the car, I'm doing what I'm doing. You know, I love it. I love to worship. It's kind of funny, too, because, like, I listen to my music on, like, one earbud, too, because my truck's really old and weird. I don't want to talk about it. Um, it's just old and weird. Deal with it. And uh, <laughs> so uh, I listen to it on an earbud, right? So, like, you can't hear the music outside the truck, so it just looks like I'm in there going, like, like, <laughs> what's this guy doing? He's that's just, you know, I'm worshiping. I'm getting it on. You know, I'm doing what i got to do. It's important to worship by yourself. Worship in moments by yourself, not only with a group of people, but worshiping by yourself to encounter Jesus in a real and tangible way. And then when you come together with others, it's a little harder, right? Because you know, like, as soon as I raise my hand, somebody's looking at me. Somebody's watching me right now. That's all you can think about in that moment. You're trying to surrender. You're trying to surrender yourself to God. You're trying to say, oh, I, I don't, but then you're kind of like, okay, the person behind me thinks I'm weird. I'm swaying. I got the hand up washing the window, you know, Tim Hawkins, wash the window, you know, with my hand, and uh, that's the, that's, we always internalize those things, 
And I always tell people at work when I'm counseling them, and this is, <laughs> it gets a, usually a decent laugh because it's not a great counseling technique. But I always tell them that, you know, people, people really don't think about you as much as you think they do. <laughs> like, uh, you know, we, all, we always internalize these different thought processes. Like, we think that people are judging us. We think that people have these uh, different um, things that they're saying about us or, or whatever. But really, you're doing that to yourself, usually. You know, people don't really talk about you as much as you think they talk about you when you leave the room. You know, you're not that important. <laughs> so calm down is what I'm trying to say. It doesn't matter what people say about you, even if they do talk about you, especially when you're surrendering to your Lord and Savior who loves you, who cares about you, who's going to be there for you when everybody else fades away. The God who loves you will be there. And so it does not matter in that moment when you are gathered together, when you're not alone anymore, and you're with your friends, you're with your family, you're with your church family, and you're worshiping together, and you got a hand up, and you say, Jesus, I love you. I care about you. And then in this moment, I'm forgetting everything else, and I'm coming after you. And I'm going to raise my hand. And I'm going to say, Jesus, you're worth it. You're worthy of this. And it's not because something that I do. It's because of something that you did for me. You gave me this free gift of salvation that has changed my life, and I'm going to shout about it, I'm going to sing about it, I'm going to raise my hand about it, I'm going to talk about it, and I don't care what people think. And if you can do that, that's one of the most healthy, healthy things you'll ever do as a Christian. If you can begin to lose that and begin to replace it with, I don't care, I don't care. I'm going to go after Jesus regardless. I want to encounter him in a real, tangible way. If you want to stop feeling alone, if you have that feeling like you're alone in the world, like nobody understands your situation that you're going through, like everybody's thinking I'm a terrible person for this, or, or, or if I make this decision, everything's going to go south, or, or I have all these problems and, and I feel so alone, no one else can understand what I'm going through because no one else gets what I'm going through. No one ever has experienced what I experienced. So how, God, can I feel like I'm with people and I'm not alone whenever I feel so empty and I feel like there's just nothing left? How do I feel like someone's with me and cares about me in that moment? You raise a hand to the God who loves you. And you say, I'm done with whatever the world says. I'm done. I don't care anymore. I got my hand up and I'm praising you. And you'll feel a presence that you've never felt before. You will feel something. It might be a tingling of the arm. It might be something. You'll feel something tangible. You will no longer feel that alone feeling, that empty feeling. You will feel like someone's there. Because guess what? Someone is there. And it's the God who loves you. It's the God who created you. And if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that is something that you can take with you wherever you go. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they went into the fire. But they wasn't alone. There was someone else in the fire with them. And it was God. And they protected 
when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, and he, everyone said, this is it. He's dead. No, he wasn't alone. He had God there. And you can take that same thing with you if you learn to encounter Jesus, encounter God in a real and intangible way. And by doing this, you will no longer feel alone. I want to pray for you guys really quickly and encourage you all. So if everybody will bow their head and close their eyes. If you're in this room today and you came into this church this morning and you kind of felt a little alone, you have people around you, you have friends around you, but you still don't feel quite right. You don't feel full. You don't feel like you feel alone. That's a real feeling. It's a real emotion. I will never downcast that. I will never downplay that. If you feel alone, you feel alone, and that's your feelings. You're allowed to feel that way. But if you no longer want to feel that way, I would like you to raise your hand today. Amen. God sees those hands all over the room, all over the room. Absolutely. Thank you. You can put them down. And I want to encourage you today, guys, if you raised your hand, you don't want to feel that aloneness anymore. The good news is you don't have to. You don't have to. There's a God who loves you. There's a God who cares about you. There's a God who has more for you than waking up in the morning and going, here's another day. (laughs) Here's another day. He has more for you than that. And I want to pray that you accept that in your life. And if you're someone in this room right now, you came here this morning and you did have expectations, you expected to hear something, whatever, and you're someone who comes to church and you have all these different expectations and you want to leave those at the door. You want to start coming in with no expectation and just surrender. Go ahead, raise those hands. Let God see that you're just done with expectation that you want to see surrender in your life. Absolutely. Yes. Powerful. Very good. God sees your hand. He knows. He knows. You can put them down. And if you're someone who's in this room, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want to give you that moment. You deserve this moment. To say, I don't care what the world thinks. I don't care what anybody else says. I'm going to surrender to you, Jesus. I want to make you the Lord of my life. If you're in this room today and you're thinking, I want to do that, then you go ahead, raise your hand. God will see that hand. He's going to honor that. Amen. God sees your hand. He sees it. Even though you're barely raising it, he sees it. Absolutely. All right. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for these awesome people. God, there's so many people who left their expectation behind and they surrendered to you just now. And they said, I want to encounter you, God. I'm sick of feeling alone. God, if those people are in this room and there's some in here I know for a fact that did not raise their hand even though they're feeling that emotion, God, I ask that you go to them as well. God, lift them up. Help them to feel like there's someone there. Like, like I said, like you, they'll feel something. God, let them feel that in this moment, God, because you're powerful and that you're able to do that. God, let them feel you in this time. 
They are not alone. They are not alone. They are with people who love them. They have you who love them, who created them. God, make them feel that love. Make them feel your presence. God, for the people who came and they decided that I always come in here with these different expectations and I come in here with my own problems and I come in here with all these different things each week. I just want to lay that at your feet and I want to surrender fully to you in this moment. God, help them to do that. That is so hard. It's so hard to turn your brain off from the things that are going on in this world. But God, I know that if we try and if we focus on you, God, those surrender, we surrender those things to you and just allow you to work them out, allow you God, to do your work, God, we will be so much better for it. I ask that you just give them the courage, the strength, and the ability, God, to lay those things at your cross. And Jesus, for the people who raised their hand and said, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Wow, what a special moment. And if you raised your hand and you said that, you could say a prayer, something similar to this. You could say, Lord, I'm sick of being the own ruler of my own life. I'm sick of making my own decisions because I keep making the wrong ones. My best thinking has got me to where I am right now. God, I ask that you would be the Lord of my life. I ask that you would take over and God, that you would help me to surrender solely and fully to you in this moment because I believe that you are the Christ. Help me, Jesus, to live for you in a real and tangible way. In Jesus' name, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.